What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels or hopefully the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, when I last left you, I left you hanging, but we're back for the next edition of the Concert Chronology, and we are still in July 25th of 1996. Uh, somewhere in the middle of nowhere, basically, in Ferris, Texas, in this uh, fort area. 
just outside of Dallas, Texas, kind of uh, on the road to Houston after Dallas. But yes, Lollapalooza 96, talked about in the last episode. Let's get right back into it. We went ahead and kicked off with a song because I talk a lot on these episodes. So I'm going to do a lot of double shots here and there, and I'm kind of padding this one entry here on the show because I don't want to leave you hanging on another concert. So I'm going to wrap it all up nice and tight here for this one. And we'll be back on the next episode. I actually have some recent concert stuff to talk about on the next one. It's going to be a special episode as well. Stay tuned for that. But like I said, we're back at Lollapalooza 1996. We finished off with the Rancid set and we kicked back in here for this episode talking about one of my big brag moments of all time. I got to see the Ramones and if you're of a certain age that is a big bragging point because the Ramones officially broke up. Uh, Actually they had broken up before Lollapalooza 1996. That was the deal. They had pretty much played their last show. They were done and apparently they got a big offer to play Lollapalooza 1996. From what I understand, pretty much at the behest of the top three build bands there, which at the time was Metallica, Soundgarden, and Rancid. They were like, we want the Ramones on this tour. And so, you know, as far as I know, a good amount of guys put their foot down. It's like, no, you need to book these guys. Uh, write them whatever check they need to to be here on the tour. Gives a lot of credibility as well. Plus, like I said, they got to basically book the last tour that the Ramones ever did. Once they finished up the like 18 or so Lollapalooza shows, they played their last ever show out in Hollywood. We'll get to that here in just a minute. Uh, The reason we're about to is because we kicked off the show with a live version of I Don't Want to Grow Up, which is actually a Tom Waits cover. It was a song that they were playing a lot on television appearances and stuff like that, and the single they were pushing at the time. Great version of that Tom Waits song. And you could find the original version of that, at least the Ramones' original version of that, on their last studio album, Adios Amigos. Great record. You could find that song also on Tom Waits' album called Bone Machine. Both great records. You should have both of those records. I got that particular live track off of Greatest Hits Live, which was a show they recorded sometime around 1995. And, you know, like I said, they were they were done. They they had hung it up officially. They were never going to tour again. They got the Lollapalooza deal. How could you turn that down? Get to play in some of the biggest crowds you ever have in the United States. So it's a win-win, I think. And definitely a win for old Joey over here and my best friend Chris. Got to see the Ramones for the first and only time. The hour that they spent out there on stage, unforgettable. I'll never forget it because, like I said on the previous episode, it's easily 110 degrees on the field there uh, at Lollapalooza that day. The sun is out. There is zero shade. The stage barely gives you any shade. It is hot, hot, hotter than hell out there. The Ramones come out. They do not mail in their gimmick at all. They come out. Full leather jackets, the whole thing. I mean, looking like the Ramones. And... Uh, I know this to be a fact also for sure. Something that I had read, and I still retain this little nugget of information, all the way back from 1996. I remember reading in a free paper here locally. It was either the Met or the Observer. I'm not sure which one. They're basically the same thing. And uh, But I miss and love the Met. I remember reading a big, huge article just detailing the entire day and the backstage doings of Lollapalooza 96. And come to find out, reading that article months after the fact, after it happened, and uh, C.J. Ramon, who basically took to not traveling with the rest of the guys on this last tour. 
And, you know, for personal reasons or whatever, I think maybe he was just kind of checked out in the sense of like, you know, kind of moving on with his life, but they got this one tour to do and then that's it. I think he was probably, if I had to guess, and I'm just speculating here, it might have been a little extra heartbroken about the band breaking up because he's a lot younger than those guys and, you know, he hadn't been with them as long. So, you know, he had been in the band for a handful of years, like since the late 80s. So it's like he was kind of still new in the band, like he'd been in there less than a decade. Uh, so I think maybe he took it a lot harder than the other guys. I think the other guys were ready to hang it up. Obviously, CJ was not ready to hang it up because he is still doing music to this day. Uh, but that all being said, CJ had taken to uh, basically riding with some biker friends of his from town to town. Once again, not traveling with the Ramones, taking his motorcycle and basically road tripping it across the country. And the idea was... Uh, gig to gig, you know, he just travel with his biker friends. If you ever watch the We're Out of Here VHS, which uh, I say VHS because they never put it out on DVD, which is ridiculous. We need a DVD release of that. Uh, you see him being interviewed, and it's like he's between stops, <laughs> riding between gigs, and he's on his motorcycle and everything. And so, yeah, I mean, that's just how he was living. So I come to find out that the Ramones show that I saw almost didn't happen in a sense uh, apparently because the according to the article cj and his pals were stopped by the cops and detained for a little bit uh you know and just basically had to explain like who they were and what they were doing and where they were going uh got some tickets or whatever uh, i actually asked cj ramon about this years ago i actually went on facebook messenger so i pulled up the screenshot here of me and cj's conversation i said hey cj i went to the dallas ferris texas show for Lollapalooza, and i read later on that you barely made the show that day in a buzzer beater true or false and he messaged me back detained roadside by state troopers ticketed and sent along and so yeah he confirms that they were stopped by the cops so the article said that basically CJ rolled in to the fairgrounds of Ferris, Texas and that fort that Lollapalooza was set up at about less than five minutes to curtain. So before that, they weren't even sure that the Ramones were going to go out that day. So, you know, just finding the place last minute, him just having enough time to, you know, toss on his guitar and get out there. So I'm glad it happened. It almost didn't, but I'm so glad it happened because because of that, I got to see the Ramones, and so since it's such a special occasion, and it's the first and last time that I'll get to talk about the full-blown Ramones here on the Contra Chronology, I'm kind of going to play two Ramones songs here. We kicked off the show with one of them, and we're about to talk about the following band that played after the Ramones, so a great tie-in right here. I'm going to pull this audio from the last ever Ramones show recorded out in Hollywood, California, from the We're Out of Here box set, the CD slash VHS set. Uh, here is fellow Lollapalooza mates Soundgarden jumping up on stage during the first encore at the very last Ramones show. So here's a duet between Lollapalooza tour mates, the Ramones, and Soundgarden doing their version of Johnny Thunder's Chinese Rocks. Enjoy. Hey! You want to hear some more fucking Ramones? What? What? This is your last fucking chance, so make some goddamn noise! 
Okay, all right. That was Soundgarden, and that was them doing a cover of The Doors, Waiting for the Sun, the title track to my favorite Doors record. Love Waiting for the Sun. And unbeknownst to me at the time, because I hadn't become a big fan of that album, they performed that song that day at Lollapalooza, according to setlist.fm, which is, once again, my reference point for this entire concert chronology series. It's what helped keeps my memory fresh. The stories are mine. The set lists are definitely getting filled in to my memory via this site. So I recommend it heavily. It's a good way to log in all your shows. Anyway, that commercial aside that I'm not getting paid for, uh, saw that Soundgarden played a 13-song set list that day at Lollapalooza. They were the second band headlining on the bill right there. It's probably a pretty typical show for a hardcore Soundgarden fan. They were supporting the Down on the Upside record. So they, they did throw in some uh, Down the Upside songs that maybe you wouldn't hear like on subsequent reunions. Uh, Ty Cobb sticks out, Searching With My Good Eye Closed sticks out, Mailman. Those are kind of the more deep tracks. Everything else was a pretty big hit and that Waiting for the Sun cover. It's so unique as far as I know that they didn't play it a ton and probably just specifically on that tour. Maybe it was a B-side somewhere. I don't know. I'm not the biggest Soundgarden fan. I totally dig them and everything, but... I don't know like those kind of things like deep recordings and stuff, just the studio albums basically. But I will say something about this show. They sounded really good that day. And I will also say besides seeing the original lineup of Dokken that I'll talk about on a future show, besides seeing the original lineup of Dokken, I've never seen four more distant dudes on stage ever. Like, they all had their spot, they stayed in it, no interaction, they just stood there, a little park and bark action, and that was Soundgarden. So, when I found out that, as far as I know, they didn't even make it through the last show on their Down the Upside tour. I want to say it was, like, in Hawaii, which is where a lot of bands finish up their tours, because they get to go on vacation afterwards. But as far as I know, they didn't even finish that set, and, like, I think half the band walked off stage. I'm not even sure which half. But they didn't even finish that last show before they broke up. So it did not end well. I need to read, you know, like Total Fucking Godhead and those other books that Baco has mentioned on whatever. Never mind. And I will. And I'm sure it'll tell me all about those kind of shows. But as far as my memory goes, that's what I have is they sounded good, but they did not look like they wanted to be there at all. That's what I took away from the Soundgarden show. Otherwise, I could still brag about seeing Chris Cornell live. And that's a pretty good brag at this point, sadly. All right, so we have one more band to go on Lollapalooza 96. Of course, the headliner that I talked about in the previous episode was Metallica. This was my third time seeing Metallica already in my early days of concert going. But this was a pretty enjoyable set. I remember it pretty well. A few of the things that stick out is, you know, like I said, we're coming fresh off of this Kiss reunion show. So Kiss is like the thing this summer. And I specifically remember... Metallica opened their set with fireworks coming out of the back of the stage into the sky and they launched into Detroit Rock City. They played, uh, you know, about the opening part and they didn't even get into like the first verse and they kind of just stopped playing. And then James was like, like, hey, you want the best you got the best, right? And then they go into their first song. So what? The Anti-Nowhere League song, the one that was the B-side from the Black Album and also on Garage Inc. now. Yeah, they opened up with that. It was a pretty tight set. Uh, they, you know, only played a handful of load songs because it was still pretty new out. 
the load songs they did play were some of the stronger ones ain't my bitch king nothing until it sleeps other than that uh hit set other than so what creeping death uh they did encore with last caress master of puppets and overkill according to the setlist.fm site so you know since they're promoting the load album i figured i'd play something from load and you know i still like this song i think it's a well done song i think it's aged pretty well at this point not a big fan of king nothing or hero of the day uh, but I do like me some Until It Sleeps. So I'm going to play some audio straight from the Lollapalooza 96 tour just a few weeks later in Irvine, California. So here's Metallica at Lollapalooza doing Until It Sleeps.
Mighty Met, Metallica, performing Until It Sleeps from August 4th, 1996, at Lollapalooza 96 in Irvine, California. Ripley approves. Yes. Sadly, those were all the shows that I saw in 1996, but not too bad. You know, hey, I'm about 17 years old at this point, so three concerts in the summer, not too shabby. I'm sure other people had it way worse, so not complaining, because those were all quality for my money. And it was all my money. I worked for those shows. So, yeah, we're moving on to the late fall of 1996. It's not so realistic to go to concerts during the school year, but I sure as hell did try. And something I definitely had to make a point to go see was November 10th, 1996, KISS came back to Dallas for another round at the Reunion Arena in Dallas, Texas. I talked about this Alive Worldwide tour on the last show, of course, but how could I not talk about it again? It's, it's another KISS show. It's another Red Letter Date and Joey concert chronology. So I, I feel like much like the first time I saw KISS on this tour earlier that summer, I had no idea really going in to the show who the opening act was. We got Push Monkey in July. And in November... Uh, I think maybe up until maybe a couple of days before the show, I even found out who was opening, probably via one of those free paper articles. And it said, Johnny Bravo opens this Sunday. I'm like, who the hell's Johnny Bravo? I'm also reading articles like in other magazines, like Metal Edge and stuff like that throughout the summer, like all these cool bands that are opening up for Kiss, Rancid and the Melvins and stuff like that garbage. And we get Johnny Bravo and Push Monkey. So I'm a little salty about this, but once again, the main idea is I get to see Kiss again. Uh, even if they were going to play the same exact set list, I was like, that's fine. That's totally fine. I don't care. Just happy to see him again. Pretty much got the same set list again. I remember the first time I saw him on this tour, they played Rock Bottom. They didn't play it on this show. Uh, you know, just things like that. Just looking at the set list here on this particular one, I don't see too much of a difference, but I do see that Rock Bottom is missing. Maybe she isn't on there. I don't know. So, and I found some killer audio from this particular tour in this particular year. This one comes from East Rutherford, New Jersey show in 1996, around the same time that I saw Kiss. I think this is actually a few weeks before I saw them. So they're pretty much sounding like this. And this is what I like to do is try to find audio as close to the show as humanly possible. If I can't find audio from that particular show, I mentioned that in the last episode, I figured it's worth mentioning here. So here you go. We're going to do a two for right here. Yes. Even though I was kind of down on them going into the show, I, I listened to a few tracks here and there online. I was like, oh, they're not so bad, Johnny Bravo. So I'll go ahead and play a Johnny Bravo track just to kind of get you in the mode of where I was here when I went to this show back in November of 96. One thing I do remember about the Johnny Bravo set, there's actually one memorable thing about it, because otherwise they just look like, you know, an atypical alternative band. They did play Led Zeppelin's No Quarter about halfway through their set, so that got a good reaction from me and a decent amount of other people in attendance. I looked up to see if I could find that audio, but I cannot find it, so it's just not out there. I'm sure someone in the band may have it, but... I didn't have the wherewithal to contact somebody in the band Johnny Bravo to get it for the show. And when you Google Johnny Bravo band, you get a lot of Brady Bunch matches because apparently that was a fictitious band on the Brady Bunch. But that all being said, we are going to kick off this twofer here with a Johnny Bravo song. And then we're going to continue on, of course, with Kiss. And one of my favorite, favorite Kiss songs, I Stole Your Love. Enjoy.
Someone lost their panties. Peter, are those yours? We think it's about time to get a little bit louder. We think it's about time we got a little bit heavier. We think it's about time we did
right, all right, okay. Kiss right there with I Stole Your Love from the Alive Worldwide Tour. That audio was from New Jersey a couple weeks before I saw him. And we opened up that block with Johnny Bravo with a song called Used to Be Cool from their album Then Again, Maybe I Won't. So, yeah, not bad. Not bad at all, actually. You know, it's 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 right there for the time. It's very Lemonhead-esque, if you ask me. But, you know, hey, that's all right. Merely only fast-forwarding three weeks ahead to December 1st, 1996. Man, I'm turning into a pro. I'm still in high school, and I'm going to shows every few weeks. Oh, my gosh. But this is one of my absolute favorite shows of all time. And I, I was just all in on the Smashing Pumpkins at this point. Uh, I... I've often said that Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness is the album that got me through high school. It truly did. Uh, so I love Billy. And uh, Pumpkins had uh, the best and worst year pretty much in 1996. They went on tour for the Melancholy album and it was going really well. And then all of a sudden there was that horrible incident where Jimmy Chamberlain uh, was out partying one late night with the touring keyboardist Jonathan Melvoin, who was actually uh, Wendy Melvoin's brother. And he died of a heroin overdose. And Jimmy got arrested for heroin possession. He was fired immediately by the band. And they had to cancel some shows and basically uh, get a new drummer and touring keyboardist. So they had some problems there. And it really stinks that that happened to them as they were just like in their peak. Uh, But they recovered pretty quickly. They hired a drummer named Matt Walker who had just played for Filter. And they brought in their friend... Dennis Flemian, who was one of the frogs, he was Dennis Frog, along with his brother Jimmy Flemian, Jimmy Frog, and he became the touring keyboardist, and uh, Jimmy actually came along for the ride, and he actually showed up a little bit here in the show, Uh, but getting to the positive parts of it, like I said, I loved this show, Uh, also Garbage was opening up, and I was just getting into my obsessive fandom of Garbage around this time as well, so two bands that I am massively obsessed with, are playing the same show together. So this was a big show, and I still love this show. It was neat seeing Garbage out on their rookie year, and they played almost all of their first albums, so it was really cool to see that. Uh, Yeah, so they were a killer opening band, and so not much else to say about Garbage other than they were very solid. They're very good live. I recommend going to see them. And as far as the Pumpkins go, this is one of those shows that I've talked about a lot. Like, if I'm bragging about a show... And if you're a certain fan of this band, the Smashing Pumpkins, then this is a show to definitely brag about being there. I don't know how often they did this on the tour. So, you know, as far as I know, I haven't heard anybody else talk about this. So this could have been one of those unique nights. I don't know. If anybody out there saw the Melancholy Tour, let me know if this happened to you. Or or you may have missed out on this thing that I'm about to talk about. So, I'll try to sum it up as quick as possible without leaving out good details. Uh, So, the Pumpkins come out, and it's a killer impressive stage show. I have yet to see really good pro-shot full concert footage of this tour, which is weird because it looks like they spend a few bucks on it. It's like this huge, like, you know, 30-foot radio tower that goes all the way to the ceiling of the arena. And, you know, it just looks really cool. It's just massive stuff. The band is super tight. Uh, I will say Jimmy Chamberlain is one of my favorite drummers of all time. And I really thought that I would miss him more on this show. But Matt Walker did a really good job. So, you know, by the end of the show, it wasn't that bad that Jimmy wasn't there. I feel bad saying that. But 
that's what a good drummer can do, man. If he's really good, you're either going to really notice him or not notice him at all because it's not like distracting you so much. He's just doing his job. So Matt Walker, nothing bad to say about that guy. Uh, Dennis Fleming was really cool. He did some auxiliary percussion, played keyboards, played some rhythm guitar, stuff like that. You know, of course, the Pumpkins, they're touring behind Melancholy. They lean very heavily on the album, which is fine by me because at this point, it's one of my favorite albums ever and still is. They opened and closed the main set with. They opened up the show with Where Boys Figure to Tread and they closed the main set with XYU. Killer show, right? And, you know, played awesome stuff in between that. You know, Bullet with Butterfly Wings, Zero, Today. It's all there. It's all killer. Uh, and it's just a good time. Even during the the encore when they did 1979, they did a big they did, they did kind of the dance remix version of it, and they brought out some random fans on stage to dance. They were having a dance contest that James Eha was hosting with his super super dry wit. Uh, so there's that. Uh, yeah, like I said, fun show. So this is something that if you've been to any kind of show, then this is what you normally see band up music shows up back on the pa to kind of send you on your way all that happened at the end of the set and the encore and you know house lights are on and it's one of those weird things usually at this time whether we're going to see wrestling or going to a concert you know i look over at chris i'm like hey let's go ahead and, and hightail it we're kind of walking fast to get out of there and beat the traffic 99 out of 100 times that's what we're doing i think because the audience was leaning very young I kind of was like, maybe, hey, maybe we should hang back and just kind of wait for people to leave. So let's just hang until they kick us out. And that's really where we were at. Uh, and so Chris was like, yeah, let's go ahead and hang back. You know, you weren't going to fight me on it. Plus, I'm driving. So <laughs> we're just hanging, man. People are leaving and we're just sitting back, you know, like a movie theater with the credits rolling and stuff like that. So, I mean, probably a good 10, 15 minutes go by. And then, you know, there's not a lot of people left at the show. Like I said, we're in Reunion Arena. It's a basketball hockey arena. And so pretty much all the, uh, you know, balconies and everything have cleared out. There's still some people on the floor. If you're on the floor, you tend to kind of stay behind and see if some band members will come out and sign stuff. And that was kind of the thing to do back in the day. I don't know if it still is. You just hang out until you get thrown out. So that being said, there's not a lot of people there. There's maybe like a thousand people now. And then all of a sudden the Smashing Pumpkins come back out on stage and the whole band's out there. And something to the effect from my memory, Billy Corgan comes out and basically goes, is it safe to come back out again? And people are like, everybody was left was like, yeah. And then Billy just goes, all right, we're going to play a little bit longer now that all the MTV people have left. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, okay. And so the people that are in the lower balcony and we're, uh, you know, a handful of them, we kind of start making our way down because we notice that everybody else that's left in the balconies are kind of jumping down to the floor. So we start doing the same thing. So me and Chris are hightailing it. We just make it on the floor and the people behind us get tackled by security. But we're there. We're on the floor and we're off to the races. So we get about halfway down the floor and we start standing on these seats so it's just like, wow, we're in it now. We're in the thick of it. And so the pumpkins, they just go, they turn the lights off and they go slamming into uh, Airplane Flies High, which they had just put out the Airplane Flies High box set. 
And they did like a 15 or 20 minute version of that song, just jamming on it. But it was badass because the whole lot, it didn't even matter what they were playing at this point. I'm like, we're on the floor and this is amazing. Even if there are people from our school that went to this show, I doubt that they're seeing what we're seeing right now. So we definitely feel like we're in some really special, cool club right now. So, you know, that happens. They play Aeroplane Flies High. We're going crazy. Then they go into Silver Fuck, which if you're a fan of the band, when they do Silver Fuck from Siamese Dream, it turns into this like super long jam. So basically we saw like another two songs, but they played for another 45 minutes and they're just jamming and just doing feedback shit. But like there's structure there and they have all these crazy things going on in the video screen, just like footage from old sci-fi movies and Planet of the Apes and all that kind of stuff. So... The atmosphere is really killer. I remember at one point, the kids that were on the floor, they were kind of new to the floor. They started moshing, and Billy actually accosted them because they're like, hey, cut that out or we're going to leave because we had people die on this tour. That's true. Go look that up. The, there was a show where some kids got crushed to death. But, uh, yeah, they just they played these two songs. About 45 minutes, we were out of there. So we saw like a three-and-a-half-hour show. They had played a really long show up until this point, but we got to see a lot more show and it's just one of those special moments, and I uh, will cherish it forever. So, yeah, let's get to the music now that I've talked your ear off about my Smashing Pumpkins concert experience, and Chris's as well. Uh, side note, Chris, super lucky guy, two days later, and I should have gone to this show, but I didn't. I remember Chris went to see Rush at the same venue two days later with some other friends of ours from school, like some guys that were in Drumline with us. And I wish I'd have gone to that show now in retrospect. It was the Test Reco tour, and I've heard that live album, and they sound great. They always sounded great. But, yeah, that would have been kind of cool to see, like, two, like, three-hour-plus shows within three days of each other. So, anyway, Chris got to do that. I didn't, but uh, say la vie. But let's get back to the Smashing Pumpkin show here. Let's, of course, do a twofer. I found great live audio from these particular years in 1996. We're going to kick things off with Garbage doing a song that really stuck out that night for me, a song from the first album called Fix Me Now. And we're going to continue on with the Pumpkins with the song they opened with at the show that night, Where Boys Fear to Tread. Turn it up.
All right, great double shot there from one of my favorite shows I've ever been to ever. I mean, the audio not directly from those shows, but you know what I mean, from 1996. We started off with Garbage with Fix Me Now. That was taken from an overseas festival in 1996. And then we finished up there with the Smashing Pumpkins with Where Boys Fear to Tread, which is the kickoff song from the second disc, uh, you know, if you're listening to it on CD, from Melancholy. That was live in Cleveland, Ohio, July 3rd, 1996, pretty early on into getting the new band uh, in there uh, in the middle of the Melancholy tour, get it back on track. So, yeah, and that particular audio came from the Aeroplane Flies High Deluxe Edition box set. Those Deluxe Editions are amazing. Multiple CDs and a full-length DVD from every tour. Uh, Man, just Billy knows how to do it when he puts together Deluxe Editions. I'm super looking forward to the Machina box when it comes out. And the Machina 2 set will also be coming out from what I understand. So, a lot of stuff to enjoy in the Smashing Pumpkins archive. And all their other future endeavors and all of the stuff that Billy's doing with NWA Wrestling. I am all in for life on Billy Corgan. Please don't let me down, Billy. Love ya. All right. Moving on here to the last show and our last double shot of the night. Fast forward up till the end of the school year, May 10th, 1997. Uh, we go over to Fort Worth, Texas at the Tarrant County Convention Center which is uh, definitely a classic convention center out there in Fort Worth. Between that and the Will Rogers Amphitheater, that's where a lot of old shows took place. So by this point, a lot of shows really aren't playing at the Tarrant County Convention Center, so it's kind of slowly dying off. That venue will get mentioned maybe a few more times before it kind of eventually closes down as a concert venue, but, you know, I'll get back to it at some point. But uh, the interesting thing of note here, so going to see this show on May 10th, so this is for a Metallica show. And uh, the really special thing about this is they were doing two nights. They played May 9th and May 10th on a Friday and a Saturday. I still remember that. And uh, COC, Krosna Conformity, opened up. Big friends of those guys. And James had even played uh, on a couple of tracks, I believe, on their Wise Blood album that they were supporting at the time. So it made sense to have them on the tour. And plus, you know, they, they're a cool band that's happening at that point. So like I said, they're doing two nights here in Fort Worth. And with the specific idea that we find out at the time is that they are going to be recording for a live home video that will be coming out soon. At this time, uh, DVDs were barely a thing, if at all. Uh, So, you know, this would actually wind up being their first real DVD release. Uh, The show is called Cunning Stunts. So uh, if you get a chance to go check that show out, really killer show. That's the show I saw. So if you've seen that, then you have reference for this story. Uh, The thing I can tell you, uh, a bunch of interesting things of note, a little behind the scenes, if you will. So COC come out, and uh, that was the first time I had seen them. I'll see them again here a little later in the concert chronology. They come out, and they're pretty solid. I can tell that this is going to be a show that's in the round, so I'm very excited. It's going to be my first in-the-round show. Won't be my last at Tarrant County either. That's a story for another day. But, you know, COC come out and they play their set. They get, you know, about 45 minutes or whatever. Uh, You know, the songs that I I know, like Albatross and Clean My Wounds and stuff like that. And they're playing stuff off Wise Blood. Uh, They didn't play Manor Ash that night, which is the song that James did appear on on the record. But James did come out and perform a track with them, just basically playing rhythm guitar and just rocking out with them and jamming. And I think it's King of the Rotten. So that's a song I'm going to use to represent them uh, here on this particular double shot. And getting to the Metallica set, 
So the, the neat thing about it is, of course, Metallica doesn't do anything half-assed. Uh, they're super pros and they're great live. I mean, you should know this. Even if you don't like them, uh, you couldn't not go see Metallica and be like, oh, they're not very good live. They're awesome live and they're just one of the best bands ever live. So that all being said, so the weird thing is I expected like big fanfare, the lights to go out next to see a gold to start playing. But actually before the lights even went out, the whole band came out on stage and uh, Lars gets up on the mic and said, hey guys, just wanted to let you know, we recorded for a home video last night and we're recording again tonight. So of course, you know, go fucking nuts or whatever he says. I'm sure he gets it hyped up a little bit there. But he goes, well, some of the video and audio kind of fucked up last night. So at some point you'll be hearing a handful of songs performed twice in a row. You guys okay with that? And they're like, yeah, sure. Great. More songs. So, you know, they do that, they go back down, and then lights go out, and then they start playing, and then, you know, the show starts. It kind of, so it didn't really start off with a bang, it just kind of started off like, okay, you know. They started playing what will become Devil's Dance on Reload, just to kind of warm up. And then they kicked off the show, much like they did for my Lollapalooza show, they, they opened up with So What? And went into Creeping Death, which is the one-two punch they were doing for like the, you know, a couple of years at that point. So, you know, as the show goes on, I could tell you that I can remember this even just without looking at the set list thing, but I'm glad it's here. So the five songs that we heard twice, just randomly placed within the show that night, we heard Ain't My Bitch twice in a row. We heard Hero of the Day twice in a row. We heard Until It Sleeps twice in a row. For Whom the Bell Tolls and Wherever I May Roam. And those last three songs we heard in a row. So... <laughs> And the name my bitch and era of the day were back to back as well. That was earlier in the set, but until it sleeps for whom the bell tolls and wherever I may roam were back to back to back to back to back to back. So it was a weird show, but it was a really killer show at the same time. Things being played twice were two things. Number one, that band knew exactly where to hit their mark at the end of that song to get back into the same position that they started in for when the song started again. So they, they hit their mark like, that's professional right there. Those guys are surgeons out there. So that was kind of cool to see that. So everything matches, you know, for the home video. I guess you got to do that. Uh, but yeah, and I guess the only other things of note, uh, we got like the cool kill, ride the lightning medley, ride the lightning, no remorse, hit the lights, four horsemen, seek and destroy, fight fire with fire. That was really cool to hear. Uh, but my whole takeaway was cool. I get to finally see him in the round because when I saw him with GNR, they weren't playing in the round. They were playing, you know, just on a regular stage. They still have the snake pit, but seeing them in the round is the thing to see. It's awesome. I, I'm, I'm glad they went back to that, you know, for Death Magnetic and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, if you've seen Cunning Stunts, once again, they do this really cool trick that, uh, you know, they do their first encore. In this case, it was Last Caress, Master Puppets, Inner Sandman. And at the very end of Inner Sandman, there's a guy that's up on, like, this catwalk and all of a sudden he's hanging on a wire and he starts dangling and like it's like shit's breaking down and then James is like oh what the hell's going on all these crazy fireworks go off and it's like the stage collapses basically and it's planned but it looks like it's supposed to be chaos so we're we're in controlled chaos land here and so this is a means to get to encore number 2 and uh, like i said i just recommend watching this dvd cuz it's pretty cool but uh the encore 2 was pretty great we got am i evil which was cool because like they start playing it and it's like a bare bones stage. They have like dangling light bulbs hanging from a wire 
and that's all they're playing to at this point. So it's like minimal lights. They're all playing in this tight circle because they're supposed to make it like they don't have any other lights around the stage. So they do Am I Evil? And they start playing it and you can't really hear it. And then all of a sudden when the song like really kicks in, like the, the whole sound kicks in. So they made it seem like they didn't have any other power to go off of or monitor issues. So that was kind of cool. They did that. And then they finished off the show with the song I'm going to play here uh, because this, I think this is the last time <laughs> that I see Metallica. Like to this day, I think this is the last time I've seen them because it's one of those things like, man, I was at this killer live album DVD release thing. So like, I didn't think anything could match it. I wish I'd have seen Death Magnetic because that tour looked great. You know, if you've seen the uh, Through the Never movie, but yeah, I don't think I've seen them. I'll, I'll check this. But let's get back into the music here and finish off this show with a twofer. I am going to go with a studio track here because I couldn't find good audio from this Metallica tour at all when it came to COC, which is very sad. But I believe that James jumped on stage to play with them. It's a cool song nonetheless from the Wise Blood album. Going to play some King of the Rotten and we're going to finish up with actual audio from the show here. Closing things off with motor bread and away we go.
had some fun. We sure motherfucking did, man. We'll see you around. Take care of yourself. Right, closing off the show there, COC from the Wise Blood album with King of the Rotten, followed up with Metallica, the last song they played that night for the Cunning Stunts taping in Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas! Pantera fan, you get that? Fort Worth, Texas! Yes. All right, Pantera fans, let me hear it. Okay. But yeah, Motor Breath, great way to close the show. I really dug that. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed my little journey here through this latest volume of my concert chronology. We will be back in a few days, and I'll just go ahead and spoil it. Your friends, I can spoil this. Uh, Nola's going to come back on the show, and we're going to review the entirety of the Hella Mega Tour that we just attended out here last weekend in Arlington, Texas. It was the opening night of the tour, so I figured, and it's viral as hell today, so I figured we were going to do this show anyway, and we're going to play all bands from the Hella Mega Tour exclusively. But it's going to be a fun time, and we're going to talk about it as eyewitnesses to this whole happening event. So that'll be the next show. Until then, speaking of Nola, stay tuned for her. She is my better half. She's going to give you the plugs. And please definitely listen to her, especially as it concerns buying the shirts. I would like for you, if you haven't purchased a shirt yet and you have the means to, please buy a shirt. I got to pay some bills. And I, I don't like to beg for money, but... I'm just going to give an extra little PSA this week. Buy a shirt, please. Okay, I'm going to send you over to NOLA with the plugs and the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, NOLA. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, our new kittens Ruby and Ripley get a treat. We're on Twitter at RockStrikes10, and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going back all the way to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Talking Rock, with Joey and the great Mark Streakle of Talking Metal. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRusa and occasionally Joey. Last but not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRusa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun.
Postgame show is brought to you by... Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it.